Dave Nelson talked about being captivated by God last week. And that's what really happens. That's the first stage of our spiritual development, um, which leads us on to grounding. That's what we're talking about today. Last summer, I had been reading through the book of John, and I felt as I was reading it, I was really just, I was actually captivated by the conversations Jesus was having with people in the book of John. And as I was praying and as I was studying, I felt God just saying to me, hey, Dave, you need to do a small group Bible study uh, with a group of men on book of John. Now, uh, I really didn't want to do it, so, so I argued with God. Have you ever done that? I'm like, well, God, you know, I, I have a lot of things on my plate going into the fall, and um, I'm really busy, and I really don't have time, so I, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to do it. And then he said, Dave, you're going to do it. I'm like, but no, I, I don't want to do it. Well, if you've ever argued with God, he usually wins one way or the other. So I've I basically felt them saying, suck it up, Elsog, and do the small group on the book of John. And I'm so glad that I did the small group too because it really helped me even in this last year, come back to this stage in my spiritual development of just being grounded in Christ. You know, this year, we've determined that we want to make every opportunity for all of you guys that come to K2 to have a personal relationship with Christ. Now, for some of you who haven't been in church or never been in church or only been a little bit, that may sound kind of weird to you, okay? And I understand that. But I believe that this can happen for each of us, every single one of us. And as a church here at K2, we want to make Christ the center of everything we do. Everything we do. Now, doesn't that seem obvious for a church, right? <laughs> to make Christ the center. But I saw another news report the week after Christmas. Have you heard of the Church of the Nativity? It's this church they built over the place where they think Jesus was born, and it's in Bethlehem uh, over in Israel. And I don't really know how this works, but I guess half of the church is run by the Orthodox Church, and half of the church is run by the Arminian Church, okay? And they don't go on each other's sides of the church, okay? Well, what happened, the week of Christmas is one guy from one side went to the other side. And these guys got mad, so they started yelling at him. He started yelling back, and it got into an all-out baseball brawl fist fight. And the Bethlehem police had to come and break it up. Okay. At Christmas, in Bethlehem, at the birthplace of the Prince of Peace. Think about this. We can get so distracted from being grounded in Christ, and that's where we want to go today. You know, if you're new in your faith, if you, if you just recently come to faith in Christ or you're just re-exploring faith, man, this is the place. This is the stage where you should be at right now, trying to get yourself grounded, getting a good foundation under you. And even if you've been a believer for a long time, uh, I believe that sometimes we can kind of get distracted by things in life, 
and we can take our focus off of Jesus, and we're not fixing our eyes on him anymore, and we need to get back, and we need to come back to this place in our faith where we just get grounded in Christ. But no matter, no matter where you are in your faith, you've got to come back to here. You usually end up coming back to being grounded. So if we really are going to get grounded in Christ, what do we need to do? And here's a real simple thing that we need to do. We need to get back to reading Jesus. Okay? Reading Jesus. Again, it may sound obvious <laughs> to us. Oh yeah, if you're a Christian, you read Jesus. But I talk to a lot of Christians, and they're reading Christian books and listening to Christian radio and coming to church and stuff, and I ask them, you know, when was the last time you cracked open the teachings of Jesus? Oh, it's, well, uh, it's been a kind of a while. And here's the interesting thing for me, okay? The teachings of Jesus are like that much of the Bible, right there. You can find all the teachings of Jesus right there. Less than 100 pages. And in these pages are all the teachings of Jesus. And if we are going to get grounded in Christ, we have to be reading Him. Because here's the deal. Here's what Jesus says about being grounded in Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, listen to this. Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise against the house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds his house on the sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Do you see what Jesus is trying to say here? Okay, two houses. You got one built on a bedrock, solid foundation. That's those who listen to his teachings and obey his teachings. He promises that, that our lives will be built on bedrock. And no matter what storms of life come and the winds blow and the rains come, it doesn't matter. Our, our, we're, we're founded right on Jesus Christ and grounded in him. One of my favorite parts of living in Utah is going hiking. Any of you like to go hiking? All right. Well, you should try it sometime. It's really nice. And uh, we got mountains here and mountains there. And I used to live by those mountains, and I moved to those mountains over there. And so I live right at the foothills of the Ochre Mountains. And there's, there's this nice little uh, canyon there. And I just love going hiking in there and, and walking up uh, to the top of the peaks. But the, my favorite part about climbing and hiking up to the top is you get a whole different perspective when you're at the top, don't you? You get this whole different perspective because when I'm hiking in the Ochre Mountains, I'm usually walking in this kind of foresty, dark foresty kind of cold thing and all I can see is just trees around me and then I'm walking up this path. When I get to the top, man, the sun's shining, I'm standing on a firm, solid rock and I'm looking and life looks different 
the valley looks different. I can see for miles and miles. And when we build our lives on Christ, when He becomes the rock, the foundation upon which we stand, man, we get a whole different perspective in our life. So what happens when we read Jesus? What happens? We're comforted. The words of Jesus will comfort our hearts when we need comfort. They'll challenge us. Trust me, if you read Jesus, you will be challenged. And you know what else they do? They change us. If we really, truly put our lives in Christ's hands and we say, Jesus, I'm just going to be obedient to you. I'm going to be grounded in you. Man, he changes our hearts. A challenging scripture for me is also in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus is it's called the Sermon on the Mount. He's on this mountainside, and he's teaching these multitude of people. And it's, basic, it's the basic teachings of Jesus. And if you haven't read it for a while, it would be probably good for you to go back, Matthew 5 through 7. And there's a portion of that that really challenges me, even today, and has challenged me in the past. Here's some teachings of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Have you ever been there? You judge somebody by the way they look, the way they act, or who they are, or whose family they're a part of? I know I have. And when I read Jesus, man, it challenges me. And this one challenges me. I grew up in a church um, that was a great church, a great group of people, but we kind of had a superiority complex. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we do church right, everyone else, sort of right. <laughs> you know, and we claimed that we had all the gospel, all of it, everything. I mean, we did everything right by the book, all the gospel. And I kind of wondered as I grew up in that, and I kind of caught that spirit myself, and I became judgmental, and, and I became, had this little superiority complex, and I started thinking, I wonder how, many, how much of the gospel the other churches have. 80%? 75%? That one definitely has only 15%. <laughs> okay? That's how I started to think. And I became judgmental, and I would look at people, and I would judge them by what church they went to or what church they didn't go to or whatever. And it's so easy to do. But in my heart, in my life, man, I had to come to grips with Matthew 7, 1 through 3, where Jesus says, whatever measure you judge people with, <laughs> that's the measure the judgment's coming back on you. Whoa. Okay? Who's the only judge? God is the only ultimate judge. And he says, and Jesus says, don't do it. Don't judge, because judgment will come back on you. So just don't look at your brother's problems. He might have a speck in his eye, but man, you might have a log in your own eye. <laughs> right? So just don't do it. Be careful. And 
I had attitudes that were wrong, and they were wrong before Christ. So I oftentimes read Jesus, and I just repent and say, Jesus, oh, I just blew it. Help me to be more like you, to be grounded in you. And we've got to be careful not to ignore the basic teachings of Jesus, because if you're new in your faith, get into his words and hear what he has to say. You know, as I was examining my faith last summer, I was just having this time where I'm like, okay, is what I believe really real, okay? Okay? Is it? I don't know if you've ever been there, but I was there, and I'm like, can I really know Christ? Can I really know Him? And you think about that. We've been talking about that, and you hear that here and there at K2, but can I really know Him? Come on now. I can't see Him. I mean, I, could, I guess I could get a little Jesus bobblehead, but I don't think that's going to help, okay? Can I really know Him? I don't see Him. I, I don't hear audible voices in the middle of the night, Him speaking to me. Some people have. I haven't. But can I know Him? And then I started reading in the book of Philippians in the New Testament, and I read chapter 3 over and over and over and over again. Because Philippians was recorded by the Apostle Paul. And he never met Jesus face to face. He never met Jesus in person. But his goal, he wrote down his goals in Philippians chapter 3. He was sitting in a prison. This guy is responsible for recording one-third of the New Testament. But he's sitting at the end of his life in a prison cell in Rome, and he's writing to this, this church of Philippi. And these people, this is a church he had started. He had been their pastor. He had led people to Christ. And here he is. He's writing his, his goals in life. And he says, But whatever to, was to my profit, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more... I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of the sharing of His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. What did He say here? He says, look, everything I have is rubbish. But this one thing I want, this is the one thing I want. I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. And if Paul says we can know Christ, not having seen Him in the flesh, he wasn't one of the original disciples, he knew Christ. And we too can know Christ. Actually, we made that the theme verse of our small group Bible study of the book of John, was I want to know Christ. I don't want to read the Bible to get more information or more knowledge. I want to know Him. Jesus, help me to know You. 
And knowing Christ was not always Paul's goal. As a young man, the people who were around him looked at him, and he was a strong believer in God. He was a Jewish man, and he was a strong believer in God. He memorized scriptures. He obeyed the law. He was a stand-up citizen. And yet things weren't right in his life. And here in Philippians chapter 3, he warns the Philippians about the dangers of getting sidetracked from knowing Christ. That getting focused on politics or the, or the right religious heritage or the teachings of men. He says, man, put them aside. Don't go after them. Go after knowing Christ. Go after him. And he talks about his own life in verse 4 of chapter 3. He says, I myself have reasons to have confidence. If anyone else has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, in regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Wow. Sounds like he's bragging, doesn't he? I was faultless. Ever been around somebody who's faultless? I won't mention any names, but... If you've ever been around somebody who's faultless, man, irritating. Oh, I tell you. But here's Paul. He was saying, I did everything right. I had the right religious heritage. I was a Hebrew among Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Oh, yeah. He had the right politics and the right theology. And he was a lawyer and he was a theologian. He had the right passion. At least that's what he thought he was. He was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. He went after them. He imprisoned them and even saw that some Christians were even killed for their faith. That was his passion after God. And he followed the right traditions of men. He was dedicated to the Scriptures. He had these memorized. He was doing everything right. And as far as righteousness, he was faultless. Yet he discovered that in doing all his right things, he was totally wrong. And he had grounded himself in something other than Christ. He had grounded himself in his passion. He had grounded himself in his knowledge. But he hadn't grounded himself in Christ. In our men's small group, as we were looking at the book of John, we came across this one verse, and we just camped on it for a long time. We, we spent a long time on this one verse. And let me set it up for you. There was teachers, the religious teachers, some of them actually were starting to believe in Jesus. And others were arguing no way that this guy can be from God. You see, some of the religious teachers, they were going, look, this guy does miracles. He opens the eyes of the blind, the, the, the lame walk. I mean, this guy's 
doing miracles left and right. How can anyone who does miracles not be from God? How is that even possible? The other religious teachers, they were on the other side. They're like, there's no way this guy can be from God. Look at what he does. He heals people on the Sabbath day. And they got focused on being Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And anyone who does work on the Sabbath, we know, is a lawbreaker. And they're not doing things right. So we know he's not from God. As a matter of fact, we think he's from the devil. He's probably demon-possessed. He's a drunkard. He's a sinner. He hangs out with bad people. He cannot be from God. And then these other guys are saying, yes, he is from God. We know he is. He has to be. No way God would be with somebody or, or allow someone to do miracles unless he was with them. And so this fight was going back and forth. And as you read the book of John, you see these two groups arguing back and forth the thoughts. And I imagine Jesus, he's right here in the middle of this, and he addresses them both. He addresses both groups. And I almost could feel the sadness in his heart. Like, come on, guys. You're the teachers of the law. You've got it all right. You've got everything at your disposal. And in John chapter 5, he says this. Look, you guys. You diligently study the Scriptures because you think by them you will possess eternal life. But these Scriptures, these are the Scriptures that testify about me. Yet, you refuse to come to me and have life. Can you hear the sadness in his heart? standing before people who should recognize him and know him. You refuse to come to me. You'll go to the scriptures. You'll love the scriptures. You'll search the scriptures. But why won't you come to me? It's about me. I'm going to give you life. The scriptures aren't going to give you life. I'm going to give you life. And that confirms to me that Christ is a relational, not a religious thing. He's not a religious thing. He's a relational person who wants to relate to you and to me. So why don't we, as a church, make it our goal to get grounded in Christ by coming to Him and getting to know Him? So if you and I are going to make Christ the center of our lives in 2008, another thing we've got to do is we've got to meditate on Christ and on His teachings. A practical way to do that is get to be part of a small group that's Christ-centered. A Christ-centered small group. Study Study the teachings of Jesus together. Talk about them. Pray over them. See what they'll cha- how they'll challenge and change you. I'm going to tell you something that could get me fired. Okay? You ready for this? It's Dave Nelson. Yeah, right here, Dis- oh, darn. I thought he was out in the coffee shop. 
I don't like small groups. Anybody with me? Uh, You're afraid to admit it, but I can do it right here. But here's the deal. Actually, it's kind of funny. So I was having this conversation with my mother-in-law. She was in for Christmas, and we were talking about it. And I was saying, how I really don't really love small groups. She goes, why? Now, she's this really outgoing, flamboyant kind of person, right? She's in like three small groups at a time, you know, one of those people. And she's like, oh, I love small groups. I don't know how anyone could not like small groups. I mean, the small groups are the life. You know, that's the best thing in the world. And I'm like, yeah, but what if they make me talk? (laughs) Well, yeah, that would be great because I love to talk. (laughs) But here's the deal. I totally stand behind the reason why we do small groups here. In fact, I've been part of three small groups since... (laughs) I've come here in Utah and then K2. And here's the deal. Small groups are where we get to examine the words of Christ together and we get to challenge each other. Because you know what? All three of those small groups I've been a part of, I've been challenged to the heart in ways I would have never been challenged had I not been sitting with a group of people talking about it. I have seen Scripture in a different way because I'm seeing it through someone else's eyes. See, I value small groups. I think they're so important to be part of. It's where we as a community of people come together and we get to share our ideas and we get to share what God's doing in our hearts and we get to challenge one another. And I've seen guys in my small groups whose lives have been totally changed. The direction of their lives have been totally changed because of being part of a small group, and all for the better. So imagine this year. (laughs) Imagine this. If this year, we all, just every single one of us, we just went after Christ. And we just got grounded in His Word. And we allowed His his words to challenge us and to change us and to move us. What if Jesus was the solid rock upon which we stood? Man, we'd be, there'd be nothing that could stop us. Our lives would change. Our hearts would change. What if we this year would just lay down our own ideas of what it is? Because some of us, man, we're trying to just be better Christians. When Jesus is saying, no, no, don't do that. Follow me. Come to me. I'm the one who will give you life. I want to invite the band to come back up this morning. And as we continue to worship, um, we're going to worship in a little different way today. We're going to sing some songs here in a little bit. We're also going to um, hear some teachings of Jesus. We're just going to listen and meditate on the words of Christ this morning. And that will be good. And as we do, as we listen to those words of Christ, as they come into our heart, just let them challenge you and change you. 
During this first song, we're going to take up our offering. And uh, this is a time where we, as those who love Christ and love His body, support His body in our giving. So we give up our income so that His body can grow and move into this community. If you're a guest with us, please feel no pressure to give at all. We want this service to be a gift to you. Heidi?